part twenty six of narrative of the operations and recent discoveries in egypt and nubia by giovanni belzoni this librivox recording is in the public domain part twenty six journey to the oasis of ammon part three on the twenty sixth before sunrise some of the natives came thither to see us and for all my civilities to them on the preceding evening they were quite rude in the morning as the sun rose the sheikhs came and held a consultation whether i was to be permitted to see the ruins or whether i was to be sent to the other village over the mountain i was already informed that on the west of the Elowah there are other and greater villages than this and that there were several ruins among them but as i had made an acquaintance here i wished to see everything before i proceeded elsewhere accordingly when the sheikhs were all in council i went and told them i had not come there as their enemy but their friend and that i wished to be informed of their objection against my going to see the country they replied that they knew i wanted treasure and not stones and that a man would not cross the desert to procure stones in the Elowah, and so forth in short all i could do was to no purpose they were persuaded that i wanted to go there for treasure which is their constant story i then adopted the ancient mode of persuading them to the contrary i told them that if i found any gold i would give it to them to which they all agreed and said it was done meaning that they should have the treasure at last off we set towards the east and after passing through a thick wood of palm trees and so forth as on the day before we came to an open ground the soil of which is in some places so covered with fine salt that it appeared like snow and what is more singular there are several rivulets which run over that salt plain and form a sediment of their own which does not incorporate in any way with the salt and keeps quite sweet and on advancing farther we came to a place where there had evidently been an ancient town a little farther there were several holes not unlike the tombs of egypt on my approaching these cavities i entered one to the great astonishment of the natives who never in their life ventured to penetrate any of them as they supposed the devil was in them i found it to be a tomb cut out of the rock in the same manner as those in egypt and running downwards in various directions on my coming out again i underwent a minute scrutiny by the sheikhs in order to discover if i had any treasure it was well i had no money of my own as they would have said that i found it there and it is somewhat singular that their chief notion of coin is the spanish dollar the reason is because the few bedouins who go there to buy dates and rice bring some of that money to pay for them besides several articles for barter and it sometimes happens that the caravan from mecca to fizan or tripoli passes through the oasis and purchases rice which is paid for in dollars we advanced farther and at last i was taken to see the ruins of an old edifice made only of sunburnt bricks and which perhaps might have served for a christian church but no sign of anything now remained and i only judge so from its form which is somewhat inclined to that mode of building we then took the route towards the village again but in another direction we passed over several pieces of ground which might have been cultivated and i believe the only reason why it was not was merely because the inhabitants had enough for what they wished to cultivate their lands are watered from the running springs 
on our way i was taken to see what they named the devil's habitation made by himself in one night for his own use it was a low rock at one side of which there were several tombs also in the egyptian style but as their entrance was somewhat different from the other it bore the above title and the natives never ventured near them on my approaching the place they all kept at a great distance and even the moorish hodge who had seen the tombs near the pyramid in the fayum began to be alarmed on their report that the devil was in these places i took my sicilian servant and a lighted candle and entered a chasm in the rock which in the interior led into various small apartments and little chambers cut out as sepulchres in the egyptian manner but without any hieroglyphics in an inner apartment we found several sarcophagi of burnt clay in the form of a man and generally of the usual size to contain one they are two inches thick and baked very strong the lids are quite flat and have a head of a man woman or animal just above the head of the mummy the sarcophagus being rather too heavy for a camel to carry through the desert i took with me some of the men's heads on the lids and one of a ram they are most roughly made on our coming out we found the sheikhs and others in doubt whether we could return from the habitation of pluto but notwithstanding this they did not give up the supposition that we searched for money we returned to the village and after a slight repast went to see a fountain of water or rather a running spring it is a rivulet of curious water and very convenient for the people for by putting their woolen cloth if white into it for twenty-four hours it is taken out as black as any dyer could make it this is a great accommodation to the women and children who are nearly all covered with gowns of that colour the sheikhs and people of respectability are in white they are of the mohammedan religion but very poor followers of it in the village there was a young man who had been in egypt and had learned a little spelling and was an oracle among them and all his references were made to a few sheets of paper with copies of texts of the alcoran what a precious article would an arabic bible have been in this place their mode of living was very simple rice of which they have great abundance was their chief food but it is of so inferior a sort that they have but very little traffic in it and what they have is only among a few bedoweens who go there yearly to purchase dates which are very fine they have a few camels and donkeys several cows buffaloes goats and sheep and altogether have no reason to complain they could be happy in this elysium indeed for this place has more to deserve that name than any other as it is separated from the rest of mankind but they are mortal and they must have their evils the greatest enemies they have are their own neighbours at the other village named el Kassar, on the other side of a high rock separated from them a three hours journey and siwa four days they are continually in dispute and often attack each other's party and sometimes for very trifling causes in the afternoon i was taken to see another piece of antiquity not far from the town and passed over some high hills of sand and arrived at a wide plain which extended to the foot of the rock which divided the two villages in the midst of this plain there is a small hill on which there were the ruins of a small temple built of large bricks of sandstone not unlike the egyptians but not one single hieroglyphic was to be seen on it 
it has several scrawls in greek letters but so defaced that i could only trace one or two in different places round the temple there have been houses built of burnt brick by this time the village of el Kassar were informed that a stranger had arrived in zabu in search of treasure which was to be found in the ruins under the village and that he had ventured into the devil's house without fear they were all in an uproar and swore that he should never enter their village or even come near it a man who lived halfway between the two villages and occasionally reported what passed or was said from one to another came to me while i was looking at the said temple and said there was a very large temple in the other village named el Kassar, and that there were holes underground directly under the village where great treasure was to be found but that the people had sworn that i should not enter the village at all i inquired of him the names of the principal people the great sheikh and the cady and having taken down their names i asked him if he would take a message to them from me at first he hesitated but on promising that i would not tell them that he informed me about the treasure he agreed to go to the village early next morning the message was my salutes to the great sheikh salem and to the cady or justice sheikh ibrahim and to tell them that i came into the elowah to visit them that i was not a soldier and that if they would appoint a place where i could meet them the next morning i should be glad to see them anywhere they pleased i returned to the village and the man to his habitation the evening was passed much in the same way as the preceding one and the great talk was on the risk i had run in entering the devil's house without finding any money or gold in it the sheikhs were laughing at each other at the thought of their having approached near enough the place on the morning of the twenty seventh i was taken to see the seat of an old town in the south the sheikhs were sure that if i knew how to look i should find the treasure there but all my endeavors to persuade them i was not in search of treasure were of no avail we arrived at this place which is not more than a mile and a half distant there are several heaps of rubbish and tombs cut out in the same manner as the rest some of which were choked up with rubbish i proposed to dig and open one of them and they did not dislike my idea as we might find some jewels in it but after a faint trial they got tired and left the tombs with the supposed treasure we returned towards the village but before we reached it we were informed that the great sheikh and the cady of the other village were coming towards zabu we hastened to meet them but i observed that some of our sheikhs were not pleased with the intelligence on our arrival at the village we met the party coming towards us the first was a good-natured-looking man on horseback dressed in linen cloth striped blue red turban pistols and a gun i was informed he was the great sheikh of the elowah the next was a complete rough-looking fellow as ever i saw dressed in green cloth and turban pistols and gun he was the cady and sheikh which means justice of peace and sheikh of the church he was more conspicuous than the rest in his attire with a turban of a cashmere shawl which he had procured when in cairo after these two personages came about twenty horsemen and as many foot all well armed with pistols guns and swords my guide by this time had drawn near me and informed me that these two personages were the chief commanders of the elowah 
when sheikh salim reached the walls which surround the village he halted dismounted and looked round to see whom he knew the cady did the same and the other people on horse and foot surrounded them a few mats were brought and laid on the ground under the little shade of a wall ten feet high the chiefs seated themselves there and invited some of their attendants to sit with them meanwhile i observed the principal sheikhs of zabu had retired to another spot by themselves i kept at some distance till i saw they were all accommodated and then went to them after the usual salute of salam was over i was requested to sit down between the two chiefs i do not know what figure i cut in that place but i certainly knew this that to judge from appearance the party round me except the sheikh salim was not favourably inclined towards me i then began to enter into conversation with the two great men who were anxious to know my business in the eloa but did not like to be the first to inquire at last the cady said plainly to me in arabic where are you going and for what are you come here i replied that i was a wandering traveller in search of old stones that i only came there to see if any old buildings could be seen that could give me any idea of the religion and writing of my ancestors which was now lost it appeared that this man had the same impression as daoud kachef in nubia for he made me the same answer but rather more roughly you came here in search of treasure said he and not for stones what have you to do with stones i replied that i wanted no treasure but only to look at the stones that i did not want to take them away unless it was agreeable to him and as a proof of my sincerity i promised to give them whatever treasure i found my proposal made the cady consider and the sheikh salim said that if i found any treasure the bashaw of egypt would make war against them and take it away his reflection was very just but i told him there was no danger of their running any risk in my finding money for i had no thought of the kind but said the cady for what purpose then do you come into this country i again explained to them about the stones and that i came only to look if they would allow me and if they did not that i did not care that to-morrow i should return to the nile again since they threw so many difficulties in the way of a stranger who wished only to see a few stones my apparent indifference had its desired effect and the two sheikhs began to relax in their austerity by this time some of my good coffee and tobacco came in when we all smoked and drank the cady kept a secret conversation with some of the horsemen by his side and one of them suddenly rose and swore by mahomet that the stranger should never enter their village for if he did they should all fall sick and die this was done at the instigation of the cady perhaps to see what impression it would make on me i replied again that if my going into the village was the cause of dispute i would return sooner than have the bad will of any of them the sheikh salim then said that his people were afraid i would bring some evil disorder into the village i then observed that if i had the power of doing so i certainly had not done it to the people of zabu who were all well although i had been there three days there was much to do and say on this subject for about two hours 
at last it was concluded that i should enter the village in the evening but only on condition that i was not to write a single word to touch or take anything away and that i should keep at a great distance from the ruins i agreed to all these points and as i had ordered a sheep to be killed fortunately a dinner was brought in the armed men were fed by the sheikhs of the village zabu and we were left to eat by ourselves the sheikhs of zabu seeing that i would become friendly with the others were more free with me than before however on my inviting them to eat they refused but at the request of the cady they came and we all ate out of the same dish or wooden bowl except sheikh salem who ate with none i asked him several times to say what was the reason but he refused and smiled at me i soon perceived that these people were not on friendly terms and that he as chief sheikh could not eat with the people of zabu for if he did it would have made a general peace among them but as i was perhaps not sure in my conjecture i could not interfere in such an affair which would have been dangerous in my case no sooner had the rest finished their dinner than a portion reserved for that purpose was brought to the sheikh himself i was then invited to eat with him which i contrived to do as my first repast was not so abundant but that i could take another after dinner and coffee they all set off some time after we prepared to follow them and the sheikhs of zabu made me promise that i would come there on my return three hours before sunset we set off and passed over the sandy banks on the west of the village crossed the plain and ascended the rocks which separate the two villages from the summits i had a fine view of the site of the elowah and on the side of el kassar the country was most pleasant a forest of palm trees surrounded the village and stretching over a wide circuit which included a great space of cultivated lands farther on before us there was the range of rocks which surrounds the elowah and opens to the west forming an entrance into a valley which runs in that direction we descended the rock and gradually advanced toward the village and on our approaching we found the place we had to pass crowded with people they knew the stranger was coming there to seek for treasure and they were not pleased with our intrusion it was well for me that i had an interview with their sheikh and cady who had previously assured them that they would take care we should do no harm to them the first we met came right before us stopped the first camel and would not let us proceed any farther consequently we stopped where we were at a quarter of a mile from the village but he thought we had advanced far enough i told my guide to speak to them and to send one to the sheikh or to the cady but it was almost night and there we remained the people kept watch all night that we did not advance any farther early in the morning of the twenty eighth many of them came to look at us but kept at a great distance we wished to send some one to the sheikh but no one would hear us the guide told them that the camels could not stay without provisions consequently that they would die the people replied that we might die too as soon as we liked all the forenoon was passed in this manner the place we were in was a dry spot without shelter from the sun and no water near us nor had we brought any provisions with us as we did not expect such a reception my guide and camel drivers were determined to return to zabu as soon as the sun was declining and i could not prevent them 
near this place i observed a quarry from which large blocks of stone had been taken which assured me that some building of the same must be in the village or not far off at last towards evening the katy came to us and said that we could not enter on the night before because the people were not consulted and did not agree that we should enter till that moment a difficulty which i afterwards learned was entirely owing to the katy himself for though the people were not pleased at our going into the village they did not make more objection on the first night than the second at length we marched slowly toward the village and before we entered we dismounted we passed under a gateway which led into a spacious place this was their market the place where camels and other cattle were sold in the midst of which we took up our abode the principal difficulty was to obtain food for the camels which they absolutely refused at first but on consideration that a mohammedan would be at the loss of his beast they gave them some rice straw we made a fire and prepared our utensils for coffee the baggage was all put close to us and we seated ourselves around it the fragrant smell of the enticing coffee made these wild people stretch out their noses by the time it was made some of them came near us in soft conversation i drank my coffee and so did my guide the people drew nearer still till i could ask them if they wished to take any to which they replied with a hearty affirmative the sight of drinking coffee by these people drew many others nearer and round us we began our conversation and after some time the katy appeared and caused a large mat to be spread on the ground near me and to my great surprise two large bowls of rice were brought before us this was in return for what i had given to them on the morning before after this coffee was given again and the great sheikh himself came to partake of it i might with reason exclaim on the virtue of a cup of coffee we talked of everything but the subject of seeing the ruins at last as the night grew dark and late the sheikh invited me to enter his house to pass the night i would rather have remained where i was but i could not venture to refuse him i went and having laid my saddle on the ground i thought i could sleep the house of the sheikh was as usual made of mud a few beams of palm trees laid across formed the roof on the top of which was thrown a great quantity of straw with old mats over it rains in this place sometimes but not much when we were alone the sheikh told me that all he could do for me he would but that the cady's father being a merchant of dates had received many dollars from the bedoweens who came there to market once a year and that it was supposed that he hid them in the ruins consequently he was alarmed thinking that i would take them from under the ground by my magic i assured the sheikh that i was not a magician and that i did not care for treasure at last the old sheikh went to sleep and so did i but i hope my reader will not do the same on the morning of the twenty-ninth a great consultation took place and the great difficulty was to persuade the father of the katy to let me walk to the ruins the debates were great but at last it was concluded that he himself should accompany me and no one else that i should go no farther than where he led me and that i should not write anything down or take anything away all the above conditions were of course agreed to as i considered that if there should be such to see i could not avoid observing it and could put it in my memorandum book at night 
or if anything of consequence to examine that i would find the means to see it again after my first visit we set off with the old miser and he took me through a lane where the houses were built upon the ruins of some great edifice the blocks of stone project in several parts and into the very path in the lane but this was all seen in passing at last we descended on one side of the village which is situated on an eminence no doubt formed by the ruins we went round part of the village and on the north side of it i saw the remains of a greek temple consisting of a high wall with two lateral sides and an arch in the centre it was so situated that it must have been built on the ruins of another of larger dimensions this is not more than sixty feet in breadth and of course it must have been long in proportion the people were in crowds behind us but kept at some distance and it appeared to me that the influence of the old man was great at about one hundred and fifty feet he stopped me from going any farther and i could not persuade him that the distance was too great for me to be able to distinguish anything on the top of the wall there were many people looking outside at what i was going to do as i thought i might see some inscription on the wall i took from my pocket a small telescope which when opened was not more than two feet long having put it in a direction to the upper part of the wall all the people that were there retired in great precipitation and the others near us were on the point of doing the same the old man stared at me and at the telescope and wished to know what i was about i thought it best to please the old man by letting him have a peep he was shy at first but he took it and after a long examination i had some trouble to make him put it to his eyes at last he caught the focus of the glasses and was much astonished that the stones of the wall should come so near to him he thought this was not fair as i promised not to do anything magical i explained to him that it was not magic but what the europeans could make every day i took a long observation on that wall but could not discover any inscription except four letters on the lateral wall on the east and above the cornice which are exactly as follow a p h s we reascended the ruins and entered through a house into the interior of the temple but there i could see nothing but the inner part of the above wall which must have been the sanctuary we returned to the house by the same road and all i had observed was apparently to me the vast ruins of a great edifice covered with the mud cottages which formed the village and that the standing part of a temple was built by later nations and that the materials of the former temple have been employed to erect the latter but the stones had been diminished in size the rest of the evening was passed in the house of the sheik to persuade him and the others of my honourable views as by this first trial they must have found that i did no harm to any one the telescope remained fixed in the mind of the old man and he told the rest that though i did not trespass farther than he permitted me to go yet i had the mode to draw the wall of the kassar or ruin near me so that it was the same as if i had gone near but all this was said in a pleasant manner by the old man so that all the rest laughed at this time two negroes who lived in the eloa brought in two pumpkins of a liquor which they extract from the palm tree by cutting all the branches of it they make a hole in the top of the tree into which they thrust a pipe attached to which is a pumpkin flask 
the liquor runs up the trees and is discharged into the flask through the pipe it is not unlike ale but the natives cannot drink much of it without getting tipsy i drank some and ordered the blacks to bring more by this time the principal people of the village had arrived and in consequence of my not having taken any treasure from the temple they began to persuade themselves that i was not in search of gold but notwithstanding all this the idea that a man should travel so many miles only to come to see the stones of that place could not enter into their heads the telescope was what drew their attention at present and it was handed from one to another but unfortunately after the first no one could see anything he protested that a branch of a date tree which was at some distance came so close to him that it touched his nose all the rest were willing to see this wonder but he unwarily had put the telescope off its focus consequently the others could not see when i put the focus right again the first that could see exclaimed that he was close to the tree his pleasure of sight did not last long for no sooner did he say that he saw something than the glass was taken from him and put out of its focus again this created a sport for more than two hours and i received my telescope back again without injury which was more than i expected they were so pleased with it and with their knowledge that i proposed to take a tour round the village on the outside of it and they all agreed to accompany me anywhere i pleased to go i was on my legs immediately and off we all set out of the village with at least half of the people of it after me for when the people saw that i had not brought any disorder among them they became more free with us i inquired from some of them who seemed to be disposed to tell me anything if there were any places underground anywhere they seemed surprised how i should know of any places of the kind and told me that there were many around the village i took my course towards them and on my arrival i perceived several tombs cut out of the rocks like the others at zabu and much in the same manner as the egyptians i entered with candlelight i found three or four chambers in each of which were several sarcophagi of burnt clay with the mummies inside their folding not so rich or so fine the linen of a coarse sort and the corpses without as faultum consequently not so well preserved they are in great quantity in each tomb many of the sarcophagi are still in good preservation but i could not take any away as it would have been too great a burden for a camel after a long tour over these tombs we returned towards the village my next point was the well of warm and cold water which i heard talked of by my guide had i inquired for this fountain i should have found perhaps some difficulty to be taken there so i expressed a wish for bathing and the said fountain was pointed to me i returned to the house of the sheikh and after all the crowd had dispersed which must have been about three hundred people i waited for an opportunity to set off unperceived not to have such a crowd about me i took my sicilian servant and the hajj who by this time had been to see the fountain as he was more at liberty to go unnoticed than i was i found it to be a well eight feet square and above sixty deep when i first put my hands into this water i felt it warm it was then after sunset 
it springs from the bottom of the well and overflows in a rivulet which runs to irrigate some cultivated lands this well is situated near the ruins in the centre of a beautiful wood of palms and other trees the water is blackish but perhaps this is owing to the soil of the earth it passes from the bottom to the top of the well the next visit was to be made at midnight to observe the difference of the temperature of the water on our return to the sheikh's house i found there the sheikhs of the village of zabu who came to see me as they said but i rather think that these people were inclined to become friends again with those of el kassar some rice was brought to us as usual but no mutton i observed that the great sheikh of zabu did not eat with the rest as the other did on his visit to his village and a portion had been brought to him as the other had also for himself he invited me to eat and of course i could not refuse so i partook with him rice and fried eggs was the supper for him though it was rather late they all set off to return to zabu again and we went to rest for a while but not to sleep as i waited till midnight to visit the fountain they all went to sleep and i contrived by the light of a small lamp to write my little journal of what passed on that day at midnight i took my servant and the hajj and we went to the fountain on our way we passed by several people who sleep always about the lane which leads to the outer part of the village and reach the fountain we had to go over a wall to get at the place as the door was closed at this time but we soon overcame that difficulty i found the water apparently much warmer than i had left it in the evening and indeed i regretted i had broken my thermometer we returned safely to the house and went to sleep early in the morning before the sun we went to the fountain again on pretext of bathing i found the water as i left it at midnight or rather less warm but not so much as in the evening for instance if we were to suppose the water to have been at sixty degrees in the evening it might be at a hundred degrees at midnight and in the morning at about eighty degrees but when i returned at noon it appeared quite cold and it might be calculated in proportion to the other at forty degrees these are to my little observations the various degrees of temperature which appeared in the water of that fountain but i am well convinced that it must have been the effect of the various degrees of heat in the atmosphere and that water being so kept in a well of sixty feet deep by eight square has not had time to cool so that it being constantly in one temperature and that the effect of the apparent change is caused by the change of the atmosphere itself particularly as the water has proved to be pure and free from any saline incorporation as i had the analysis made since my arrival in london but whatever may have been the causes of this apparent change of temperature it does not signify for the principal point is to prove the existence of the fountain itself according to the description found in herodotus in melpomene where he says that there is a fountain near the temple of jupiter ammon whose water changes its temperature being cold at noon and midnight and warm in the morning and evening this does not altogether agree with my finding the water warm at midnight 
but we have to recollect that herodotus was only told of this phenomenon for he never was himself in the deserts of libya and that if the fountain was only apparently changed in its temperature owing to the heat of the atmosphere we have to consider that the simplicity of these people did not let them observe the true reason of the above change but they naturally supposed it was the water that made this alteration it is enough for me to remind my reader that it is said that such a fountain was described to be near the temple of jupiter ammon and that in the combination with other descriptions concerning the distance and situation of these ruins we have reason to suppose that this may be the seat of jupiter ammon's temple for my part i shall leave others to conjecture whether it is or is not in my simple opinion i think that with all this combination we ought to consider that siwa which is another eloa of the ammoni has as much right to be supposed the seat of the above temple of jupiter ammon though unfortunately it is the opinion of many of the first literati that it is not according to the description given by the travellers who have been there particularly mr horniman and mr brown who positively affirm that the temple they saw in siwa was not that of jupiter ammon still i beg to observe that the eloa of siwa agrees with the account in point of distance as well as the eloa el kassar and as it forms an angle with that place and alexandria and is at the same distance of nine days journey from that port i think that one place has as much claim as the other the only objection i have against siwa is that the ruins in that place are surrounded by water of which we have no account from the ancient authors yet it might have formed a lake since that time but what i will give as my firm opinion is that no other places but these two eloas are meant by the old authors as the residence of the ammoni consequently the seat of its temple can but be within them or not far off having seen all i could in this place i made a proposal to pass to the other eloa of siwa but for all my offers promises and entreaties i could not persuade my guide grumar to take me there i then proposed to go to the eloa el hicks three days in a southwest direction and found some little difficulty but i overcame it by a small present to the sheik and the cady and on the thirty-first we set off through the valley on the west side of the eloa we continued our route southwest the whole day and nothing of consequence to be described as i saw only a few rocks elevated above those which formed the valley end of part twenty six